Hello and welcome to another edition of Pow Wow with Sow Wow. This is where I catch up with some of the biggest names in rugby league. Today I catch up with one of the most inspirational Indigenous players of our time, Dean Witters. Well, thanks Dean Witters for coming on Pow Wow with Sow Wow. Uh, let's get straight into it. I've got all your stats in front of me here. You're born in Armidale. You made your debut for the Roosters in 2000. Take us on that journey. How did you find your way at the Roosters? Yeah, it was just um, pretty easy actually. Arty Beetson um, must have you know spotted me, scouted me somewhere, playing uh, rep footy up in the bush. He came up and visited my house and, and, and met my dad and mum and and tried to you know was there to put the proposal there to go to the Roosters. And I remember when he left the house, my my, my dad looked straight at me and said, "If if it's good enough for Arty Beetson to come and have dinner in our house, we'll <laughs> be going down to the Roosters." So it was an easy decision for me. Um, spotted by Arty and. Um, Went down there and played, and we won an SG ball competition, and uh, slowly made my way through to the first grade. How influential was Artie when you went down to the club? Because you know, I mean, the stories around. I've talked to Joe Williams a bit about how influential he was, looking after the indigenous kids when they came down from the bush. He made it feel like home. You think of the eastern suburbs of, of Sydney and how busy it is, and how different that is from all these country towns that all us young Aboriginal boys would come from, and, and a different lifestyle and all that sort of stuff. But Artie made everything feel home. You know, the club felt home. You always felt safe around him. You loved being in his company. The drives were memorable. You know, he'd make 100 phone calls. He's always on his phone, but you just <laughs> love sitting in the car with him and listening to him ring the legends of the game and talking about football and, and stuff like that. So he, he made it worthwhile. And I got to live with him for a little while when I first moved down. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. And, and you know, I love him and miss him. And uh, But he did a lot for us young boys that come down. Dino, what did he say to you before you debut? Um, just to, to back myself and go out there and, and do what I usually do. And it was hard for me because I, I I thought to play first grade, you know, you'd have to be some sort of incredible player and have everything, you know, with your training and everything like that, right? And, and, I, and I did, but I didn't sort of, at the time, I was really sort of low on confidence and, and things like that. And to try and believe in myself and just do what I normally did was a hard thing. But I slowly got used to that in first grade and... Uh, was able to you know enjoy my career there, but um, that was what he used to always try and tell me was just to believe in myself. It was a short stay at the Roosters. You only played thirteen games, but then you make the move to Parramatta, and, and you're a mainstay from two thousand two to two thousand and six. What was behind that move from the Roosters to Para? Well, that was the year when um, Parramatta dominated. Remember, they were a dominant team, and I think they only lost three games the whole season, and and they ended end up getting done in the grand final. And, for them to come and want to sign me at that time, and Brian Smith, when I first met with him, I remember just sitting there with him, and it was incredible the connection we had about football and, and you know, just improving your game and challenging yourself and his knowledge of, of all things rugby league was just incredible. So when I'd met, met with him, um, I thought of just, and, and where Parramatta were at that time, they were the real pinnacle of the game with a really young team. So I thought, you know, this is going to be fantastic to go out here and play with probably the best young players in the game, like Jamie Lyon. Hind Marsh, Kalis, Andrew Ryan, Daniel Wagon, they all were all my age. So I thought it was a great opportunity to go out there. And um, I loved it when I got there. It was, it, was, it was fantastic. Did Brian Smith unlock? I mean, I mean, I played, I think I played a couple of games against you, Dino, early days in my career. But how did he develop your skill? Because you were you're the type of player that could do anything. Like, like most Indigenous kids, you just play footy. You're not really into all the structure. Uh, that we see today, you just see what's in front of you, you play what's in front of you. How did Brian Smith help you be confident enough to be able to put that into a team like Parramatta that had all those young stars? Yeah, well, he just 
He, he knew about imp- uh, little improvements that he could add in the game. His skill breakdown is superb, and, and probably no one in the game as, as can break down a skill and teach a skill and, and practice a skill the way Brian, Brian Smith's teams can. So he was, he was fantastic for me in that, that sense where he taught me how to practice things that were going to make my skill set even better, um, develop your weapons in the game, and then also look for weaknesses in, in opposition. Like, I think he, he knows football in and out. And he has so much knowledge about players that you play against. So he can, he can tell you the ins and outs of everything. And so you... for me, I found that was just really helpful to, 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 to have someone there who, who, one, make me improve my skills, but then also the knowledge on how to use it. So I, got a, I had a really good working relationship with Smitty out there. And, and uh, you know, I love my time there under him. You play in the Prime Minister's 11, or 13, sorry, uh, in 2007. Then you go back to South Sydney. But I want to talk to you about 2008. We play in that game before the World Cup against the New Zealand, uh, New Zealand Maldi team. Did, how much did you think back then that this could be the start of something special versus what we see now and how big Indigenous uh, All-Stars Week is? Yeah, well, it was, it was fantastic for me. That was my last game in Australia, so... I, um, I, before I went to England, so I really, you know, soaked up the whole week and, and being around, you know, the calibre of players that we had in that side, it was just, it was fantastic to get a group of Indigenous boys together like that. And I remember, because I, when, when, uh, when the NRL first decided that they were going to, to do it, um, Matty Francis called me in to his office and I had to ring around all the boys. I remember ringing around everyone after he came to play and stuff like that. So it was really exciting to, to slowly see the names fill up, you know, as, as all the boys said, yeah, I'm on board, yeah, we'll play. And I'm having a few conversations with Presto that week around, we need to do this more often, how do we come up with ideas? And obviously, he took that idea on and up to the Gold Coast and got Michael Searle's support and Matty kept pushing, Matty Francis kept pushing for things up there and they were able to come up with the All-Stars concept. So it was, uh, you know, it's something that I'm proud of that we sort of played in the game that instigated it. And, um, and when you see now the opportunities... Uh, not just that all-stars for our men, but the women and the kids that get to play in different um, competitions that we have. It's really come a long way, you know, and being able to develop that pathway for young Indigenous people. And that's something that I'm really proud that I get to do now in my work at the NRL is to continue to, to work on that pathway for our people. And you think about, I mean, I remember back, we got one training shirt. We had one, one white <laughs> training shirt, one black training shirt, and a pair of shorts. That's all we had for the week. Now, the Indigenous All-Stars, they come home with full kit bag now. They're, they're spoiled brats. And we were getting driven around in little buses and everything. <laughs> we back then. It, was, it was doing our best. And, uh, but it was just so much fun, you know, just being around some of the boys that were at the top of their game, you know, and, and, and rubbing shoulders with the best Indigenous players in the game and, and finally getting a team there that everyone was proud of. It was just a, a memorable week for me and I really enjoyed it. And still one of the most viewed uh, clips on YouTube, Dino, is when the... I remember standing there and, and I was... I mean, I was still young in my career, but I roomed with Presto that week and seeing guys like yourself, Presto, who'd been in and around the Jensens as well, who'd come out... Uh, poor old Peter Jensen, he had one knee and was pretty much uh, ready to go. But when they do that hucker, the New Zealand Maldi team, and they start coming over halfway and our boys start going off with the spears and boomerangs and everything, <laughs> I was on the edge. I almost had to go and change my shorts because that was one of the most, I guess, unreal moments in my career that I was out there absorbing that, being a part of it. But then we had to play a game afterwards. What do you remember from that? Because it's still one of my favourite moments out of my career. It was like it just sort of, all of a sudden, you know, you get fired up for games and things like that. 
you sort of keep yourself composing yourself. But when that Harker came, it was like they were going, we're coming at you. We just got the big warning. And then when our, our guys started going closer to them, and Dane was <laughs> leading the charge, and he wants to grab one of them spears and put it right in someone's, and had the spear right in the bloke's face. Another <laughs> thing, this is just, now it's tipped it over the, over the line here. This is going to be for real. So, um, yeah, that was... It was, sort of, it was sort of like, yeah, this, this is, this is it. This is cult. Playing, what playing for your culture does. You, you got to put everything on the line. And uh, for us, it was, it sort of pumped me up. It was, it was great to see. You know. Now you talk about 2008. When did Dean Witters want to become a coach? Because I caught up with you a couple of weeks ago at North Sydney Oval, and I'm heading down the path of you've just coached or co-coached with Tom Leroy Lars, the under 15s uh, Indigenous Invitational side to a victory. When did you want to be a coach? Um. I think when I come back from from England, I um I did a lot of uh, school programs and, and when they know I was up the Gold Coast for eighteen months working with Preston up there at the Titans, and I, and I got the opportunity to come back to Sydney and then I looked at you know getting involved in local footy and, and Redfern All Blacks were looking for a coach at the time and the team had done too well the club was sort of in disarray so I just thought of it as a way of really my whole my whole uh, focus when I went in there was about improving the lives of the young Aboriginal people in that community off the field, because I knew that if you did that, the talent would shine through on the field, would give kids opportunities to develop their footy, and, and the club would win a lot of trophies. And, you know, we won everything at Redfern. Yeah, you won, four, you won four in a row, which ended a 40-year yeah. drought, uh, as well as a couple couple of Koori knockouts as well. So you, yeah. you pretty much made what was renowned as one of the, the best rugby league. You know, everyone knows the Redfern All Blacks. You took them from obscurity back into the limelight uh, through your passion and looking after the Indigenous community there. Yeah, and, and, and our women. like we, we, A lot of our stuff that we did at Redfern was all about um, social behaviours and correcting those behaviours. So we put uh, you know, voice, um, a sort of a, a domestic violence code of conduct in. We did a... You know, a, a Help with it, partnered with the police around drugs, drugs, and and all the effects of drugs and alcohol in the community, gambling, counselling, all this sort of stuff that we did. School attendance become important through the junior grades. We put our women first in everything that we did. Our women's team went on to win the state premiership, um, you know, and it was real success over the over the years. And the record for the for the premierships in in South Juniors was three, and we, we got four. We maybe going for five this year. We don't know how it's going to go. We're coming fourth at the moment. So, um, you know, but that just that, got, that sort of lit my fire. And then obviously coaching the women's all-stars was one of one of the things I really loved the most. And it's just around, you know, teaching uh, people things that I learned when I was playing for my career about hard work, challenging yourself, overcoming challenges, um, being better on and off the field, all those little things. You know, if you look after the person and you, and you, you make the first person feel comfortable and confident, they work hard to overcome challenges, and that's that's just my philosophy on on everything. So um, I love using that and implementing that in footy. Now you talk about that uh, win against the Gillaroos. That would be your highlight to date, I guess, as a coach, because you know the Indigenous All Stars was a new concept uh, for the women, and you're coming yep. to beat the Gillaroos. That's a, that's a huge achievement. Yeah, yeah, mate, it was a massive challenge for us, and we just took the challenge on. We wanted to, if we wanted to beat the best team in the world, well, we need to be recognised as being the best team in the world. So everywhere we went, we'd set a standard that we'd want everyone to, everyone we come in contact with to recognise us as the best team in the world. Whether it's cleaners, people who work at restaurants, where we where we eat, people who drive the buses, clean the grounds, um, all sorts of people, people who come and fifty 
for the gear. We wanted them to think that's the best team I've ever seen in any in any environment that we're in. And obviously in the training environment especially. So the girls did that. And before the game, the bus driver up at Newcastle said to me, this is the best team I've ever had on my buses. You know, I've been driving teams around up here for a long time, but the respect that these girls show, their attitudes, the way they hold themselves, they're the best team I've ever driven around. And when he said that to me... Um, I just walked on the bus going to the game and go, we've already got this game won. If people are noticing that about these girls, I know they're going to commit to each other. You know, they're going to play stick to the game plan. They're going to play to their strengths. They're going to, you know, find a way out of any trouble that they get in on the field uh, and, 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 and be able to answer challenges. So when you get that sort of stuff happening, um, people push themselves above and beyond on the footy field. That's what you, that's what creates successful teams. Dino, I, when I'm reading through all your stats, uh, Malcolm Middleton sends me my stats sheet and, and puts all the stuff on paper for me every week. And I write down a couple of words that come to mind when I think about that person that I'm interviewing. And to you, the, the first um, couple of words I wrote was role model, inspirational, leader and coach. Now, that's all before a player. What drives what drives Dean Witters to be so inspirational in the Indigenous community to be able to, you know, speak now on a podcast? Did you ever think you'd be where you are doing what you do in the community, you know, when you're back playing? Um, I, I knew that I would use the game to, to make a difference in the community. Like it's, it's something that I learned early in my life in Armadale, that rugby league could make a real positive difference in a community and it could bring people together, uh, it could change things like racism, all sorts of things, because that's what I did in my community in Armadale when I was born in, in the late 70s, and then obviously through the 80s, when my dad played for a team up there called the Narwhal Eels, and they won five premierships in a row up there. But they, they, their team started, the club started because of racism, but they actually changed racism around in that community, and people just loved this Aboriginal team, you know, got right behind it. So I saw the power of that from a young age, and all the way through my career, I always thought, you know, if we use the game in a positive way, it can actually change people's lives for the better and it can bring people closer together. And they're the two things that I'm most passionate about. The, and rugby league and, and my Aboriginal community are the things that I, you know, I love the most. So I just use those things to, to you know, use my profile in the game um, to, to try and drive that change and create that change and teach people about how they can take on some of these great lessons that the game offers, but also that Aboriginal, traditional Aboriginal culture offers um, to make people better. NAIDOC week uh, has just happened. Uh, how do you guys go about you know, what you do in the community through NAIDOC week? And tell us a little bit about the, uh, the NRL Indigenous uh, pathway that you're the head of. Yeah, so I had a, good, I had a great NAIDOC week last week because I started in Canberra, down in Canberra on a Saturday night at the NAIDOC National Ball. Sunday, I got back to Sydney, and then Sunday afternoon, I did the midnight flight to Darwin and went out to a place the next morning called Boralula, out in the, out in the middle of um, the desert. And I just wanted to start the week off somewhere, you know, remote, um, a lot of traditional dance, a lot of, lot of traditional culture still out there being lived every day. And just back in the red dirt, I suppose you could say. And then it was a fantastic start to the week for me. And then obviously come back into Origin and, and some of the boys doing great stuff there and then a lot of the community things that happen around everywhere. So, And I see, I see uh, NAIDOC Week as a real celebration of Aboriginal culture and sharing for everyone else to come and, and, and take part in the, in the culture. You know, And for us, we only make up 3% of the population. I think it's important for us to have weeks like that where we just give our culture out to everyone and embrace everyone to come in and learn a bit, to hear about our stories, 
So enjoy the positivity about the you know where we've come from and where we are now. Um, you know, because a lot of time in Aboriginal communities, a lot of people tend to focus on what's wrong with the communities, what are the deficits in those communities, and the trauma and, and bad things that have happened in the past, and then the fight and the struggle for, for better conditions for our people. Now, I love that. I do that, you know, 52 weeks of the year. I'm all about that stuff. But I love, especially in NAIDOC week, that I feel it's a real way of saying, look how far we've come. Let's celebrate that. Here's our culture. Come and join in. Enjoy it. Have fun. And let's let's um, really you know enjoy that in, uh, coming together in that week, and that's what I think NAIDOC's about. And for me, with the pathway stuff at the NRL, it's fantastic when we look how far we've come. We've got girls programs, you know, put teams in the Lisa Fiola Cup last year. Um, the, the Tasha Gale, we've developed a partnership with the Roosters where they have um, under 18s girls team that's predominantly Aboriginal and got coaches in there that are Aboriginal. So we're given those opportunities. We linked with Kari last year and ran a coaches course, and we've got 15 co- Indigenous coaches in there to listen to the likes of Phil Gould and um, Neil Henry and some of these, you know, top coaches in the game. Matty King came in, great, gave a great session. So. There's a lot of fantastic things that we've been able to do. Obviously, our All-Stars programs are uh, right up there with some of the best in the game. So for me, it's good that we're creating those pathways, those opportunities, because a lot of our people are out there in rural and remote areas where the game, unfortunately, the game's struggling in those areas and opportunities aren't as great out there. So we've got to find different ways to build the kids' interest, give them a bit of um, support and, and stuff that they're doing. Uh, and go out there and teach them so that they can find another way into the elite levels of the game. It was interesting to hear you talk about NAIDOT Week because, you know, for me, uh, I don't know a lot about my Indigenous heritage, uh, yep. but the times that I'd played with you in 2008 and being in and, evolve, in and around the All-Stars game, I always felt included, and I never felt more, I guess, proud or, or more comfortable than being in those environments, whereas, yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't know a lot about my dad's family, but you speak about NAIDOC Week, and it is a celebration of learning about Indigenous culture and what goes on in those remote environments. I, I want to take you back. You, you talked about racism, and I want to take yep. you back to an incident in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened that day? It was it was pretty devastating to you, wasn't it? Yeah, well, that was... It's funny, that was a close the gap round, and the Paris South game was the, the game of that round where they were doing the official celebration, the NRL celebration. It was a lot different to Indigenous round as it is now. Um, we we used to just have the one game where they bring everyone in, and um, we had like Nova Paris and uh, Linda Burney, the Ellers, all, all these important guests in the crowd that they are celebrating the NRL's um, close the gap campaign and stuff like that. So. Um, and then just out of the blue, this call come from Fletch, and, and Fletch was a good mate, a good, great mate of mine at the races. And if it wasn't for Fletch and Freddie, uh, I probably wouldn't have played first grade. You know, they, they sort of stuck up for me, went and talked to Graham Murray, and, and, and sort of convinced him to give me a chance. So I was shocked. You know, I was shocked when I heard the words come out of his mouth, and it really hurt. I remember just feeling I'd never um, been reduced to just not knowing whether where my where emotions just couldn't control, you know, I was either angry, hurt, sad, um, felt felt embarrassed, felt felt belittled, um, all this sort of stuff at the same time, and then you freeze with you how you react to it because I sort of jumped up and and, I, and it just you didn't know what to do. Do you how do you how do you react to it? So that sort of causes you a little bit of um, shame too, you know. Yeah. What I mean, and I, I just and I, I spoke about it um, to, to someone about racism just. Yeah, that can really just 
tear tear you apart inside. And I've never felt that on a NRL field. I've never felt it anywhere in the game at the highest level. You know, since I was a kid. So to go through that again, you know, it was it was, it was hurtful and stuff like that. But I understand, you know, that also that you know Fletch who he is as a person and things like that. And, and to have those conversations and and try and teach them about you know what what is hurtful and stuff like that. And unfortunately, you know, we've seen Adam Goods what he went through and that the film's coming out now. And a good thing I heard Stan Grant say was that it's not what people say; it's what what does the person hear. And yeah, that's what it's all about. It's, it's you know you might think that you're saying stuff casual racism and you know un- unconscious bias and all this stuff. It's it's really prominent in Australia. People don't realise what they say and how it hurts and what effect it has on people. Um, and it's you know it was one of those thing moments for me. It, it really turned. I mean, you were devastated, and I'm I'm reading you know from from my notes here. But you turned the disappointment. How, how long do you reckon that affected you for, Dino? It took a while, man. Actually, eh. Me and Brian Smith had a few conversations about it, and I just because I'd always thought um, on the footy field, you know, that and especially at that level, that I'd sort of mutual respect. respect. Yeah, yeah, I'd earned that respect. You know, I treated everyone really good. I, I, you know, I, I come there. I worked hard to get to where I was, and um, all that sort of stuff. And I thought that um, you know, people wouldn't know one how belittling that is and how much it can put you down and, and how much hurt and pain there is in the history of, of our people and the traumas that you know people close to me had gone through. I just didn't think that that would happen on a, on a free field, you know. I thought that, because that's sort of like saying it to your face, you know. Like it's, it's right there and for someone to say that in, your, in right to your face is, is pretty hurtful. How do you think a player would deal with that today, Dino? I mean, would it be, it would be huge news everywhere, but how would a, a player be able to deal with that knowing that there's social media um, and whether we like it or not, if it's said, some people have the view that they will get on and actually support that view. Mm. Well, see, this is what I, I I hate about, you know, all these, when these stories make the news, it's, yeah, all it does is, uh, unless we deal with it in the, in the right way, and, and this is how I dealt with it at the time, with um, with sensi- sensitivity, understanding, um, to go and approach Fletch and, and give him an opportunity to learn, you know what I mean, and, and to go on from it. That's the way you got to approach it. If you approach it with anger and hatred and aggression and all those things, all you do is you divide people and you start these big arguments which they go on social media and they'll carry on and people write all sorts of derogatory, you know, terrible things on there and that's what you see with the, with the Adam Good thing, you know, the, the way they've all carried on. So um, I, I know one thing that would happen though, you know, is the players now, because of all the support we give our players, the stuff that we do behind the scenes with our players and strengthening them and their views and, and giving them confidence to be to be comfortable in who they are and, and where they've come from, like, um, I know that they would all make a stance and um, they know that they, the NRL would work hard to keep positive outcomes on this and to teach people and make sure people learn from it in a positive way. All right, let's finish with a bit of fun now. What was your first car? My first car, little uh, Mondeo. What was that? A Ford Mondeo? I think Ford Mondeo. <laughs> what colour was Mondeo. it? A dark blue one, man. Dark blue. Around the eastern suburbs of Bondi in it. It was a good one. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice Russell Crowe gave you? Um, best. Um, Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> we got the, uh, we got all the deep stuff, mate. Yeah, um, you know what it was, man. The power of attraction. He taught me about the laws of attraction. What about the best game you ever played in? The best game I've ever played in. Where you came off and you thought, I'm going to win the Dally M. 
Oh, well, I don't think I ever went close. <laughs> you know what, at Parramatta, I reckon I played at least one or two good games there somewhere. Um, maybe one there was a semi-final against the Broncos one year, I think. I got a good try when I um, threw a dummy and Lockie took it. I was proud as punches, right? <laughs> Best player you ever played with? Uh, Freddie, Freddie Fittler. Funniest player you ever played with? Um... Mick Vella would love for me to say him, but he's uh, he was a, just a torment. Um, I'd say when it comes to funny, uh, David Solomona actually. David, David Solomona. Solomona. And who's yeah. the who's the one player now? Because I reckon, having watched you play, Dean, I reckon there's a, a Tyrone Peachy is like a Dean Witters. They just don't use him right at the Titans. But who's the one player that you look at in the NRL and think that guy? Could just I, I would like to be like that guy. That guy is similar to me. Yeah, I, I'd say it'd probably be Tyrone Peachy, man. Um, you know, he just have to put on a go to Maccas a few more times. <laughs> you know? He'd probably be up there close as as a resemblance to me. But yeah, Peach, and I agree with you, man. He's just he's probably just not used the right way, and uh, and it's probably him for him too to decide to you know. I think he's more suited to the back row. I think putting him out in the centres and playing him out wide. It's just, just changed his game too much, messed with his game too much, and he's lost what type of player he should be. I think he just needs to go back to being, being that back rower that can, can do everything, attack and pass and, and use footwork and strength and all that sort of stuff and, and make a name for himself there. What's the one piece of advice Dean Witters would give to a younger Dean Witters before he'd make his debut if he could talk to him right now? Just to back yourself. Back yourself, believe in yourself and... and and give it everything out there. There's no second chances in, in the game, you know what I mean? And, uh, that's, that's one thing I'd probably tell myself. No worries, Dino. Thanks very much for coming on with Power Hour with Sour. Good to talk to you, brother. Take it easy, man, and I'll catch up with you soon, eh? Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. All right, bro. Talk, talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Power Hour with Sour. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We'll catch you next week.